Hello, everyone, and welcome to Crush Course, the podcast for the wine curious. I'm your host, Sarah, coming to you from Sonoma Valley, California. January has finally come to an end, but before we finish off the month, I have one more wine health trend to tackle, clean wines. The term has been finding its way onto more and more labels in the wine aisle, but it doesn't really tell you much. So what is the deal with clean wine? And is it really better for you than plain old vino? We've got lots to cover, so let's get to it. I was really excited to research and write this episode because at previous jobs, there were a lot of wines that touted the name clean on their label. With my winemaking background, I was always a bit confused because that's not a term that was ever mentioned in my classes or in my postgrad studies. The term clean makes me think of freshly laundered sheets and daisies and detergent commercials. I don't think of wine. In winemaking, we do clean, like a lot. We clean the pumps, the tanks, the barrels, the floors, basically any surface except the ceiling. And we sanitize. Winemaking is a very microbially clean process. It has to be, to make sure that nothing grows in the wine and makes it unstable, unpalatable, or gives it any sort of funky smell. But no, this isn't what they mean when they put clean on a wine label. The first time I remember hearing this term was a few years ago, and it was in an article devoted to Cameron Diaz and her new wine label Aveline. According to Diaz, she was appalled at what could be added to wine, and she wanted to make a clean alternative devoid of additives and unnecessary modifications. While the idealist in me wanted to nod and agree with her philosophy, the academic in me was shaking her head and saying, this woman doesn't understand winemaking. There's no subtle way to say this. Putting the word clean on a wine means absolutely nothing. No, really. There is no legal definition of clean wine or any sort of restrictions on what sort of processing the grapes have to go through to earn such a title. There isn't a clean certification. These clean producers are basically just selling a narrative. In this, anyone who isn't making clean wine is loading it full of sugar and gunk and toxins, and that this is ultimately the reason why you feel so crappy after a night of indulging. They capitalize on what the consumer doesn't know, And unfortunately, that can be quite a lot. Given the fact that wine has become something artistic and artisanal and elitist, there isn't a lot of opportunity for the average consumer to learn about the actual winemaking process. Clean producers want you to believe that they are ripping away the curtain and bearing all for the consumer, but they aren't doing anything special. Can you tell that this topic hits a nerve with me? Well, just wait, because we are about to open a can of worms here. It seems to me that all the major clean wine producers seem to have a similar definition of what their clean methodology entails. Supposedly, clean wines use organic or biodynamic grapes, use minimal intervention, avoid unnecessary additives, 
and are oftentimes vegan. Again, all sounds peachy keen, but I want to break it down for you so that you know exactly what you're buying and how to avoid being duped. So first things first, the grapes. The two main certifications that a winery can achieve for their vineyards are organic and biodynamic. Organic wine growing eliminates the use of toxic herbicides and pesticides and minimizes ecological impact. All biodynamic grape growing must be certified organic before they can be certified biodynamic. Biodynamic follows a similar philosophy, but utilizes cow horns and moon cycles, but we don't need to worry about that right now. We will tackle biodynamic winemaking in its own episode. Wineries will always denote their organic or biodynamic status on their label. Depending on their level of certification, this could be the USDA logo or the EU equivalent, such as SIP, Live, or Demeter. The organic craze is nothing new in winemaking and has been in practice for several decades at this point. Using this fruit will not only make for better wine, but it leaves the surrounding ecosystem healthy and it will be a sustainable viticulture area for years to come. So make sure to check out the back label or the winery website to confirm that the fruit is indeed organic or biodynamic, if that is something that concerns you. Clean wine also seems to give the impression that it's better for the environment, but it's not always a sure sign that the farming and winemaking were done in a sustainable or environmentally friendly manner. Most clean wine, in fact, is not produced with the same level of care for the environment. Clean wine is more focused on making the consumer think that they are making healthier choices for themselves. It is worth noting that legally, for a wine to label itself as being made with organic grapes, that the SO2 must be less than 100 parts per million total. Going even further, an organic wine cannot have any SO2 added, which is why organic wine in itself is so rare. Now, 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 I know what you're thinking. That's it. The sulfites are the problem. That's what those clean wine producers are talking about. But SO2 is in fact one of the most common preservatives in food production, given its dual antioxidant and antimicrobial properties. So if you're ready to die on this sulfite hill for wine, consider also abandoning vegetable and fruit juices, dried fruit, potato chips, cereals, sauerkraut, and many other preserved food staples in which it is even higher quantities than in wine. Sulfur is used as a preservative agent, both for color and character. We add it to keep white wines from browning, uh, to stop a fermentation, and to preserve wines as they age. It's a very important player in winemaking. So it can get really frustrating when folks claim that sulfur is unnatural, unnecessary, or even harmful. Claims that additives like sulfur dioxide are the cause of headaches and hangovers are just not backed by science. The real cause of such pains are dehydration. Wine dehydrates you just as much as any other alcoholic beverage, especially if it's on the sweeter side. So choose dry wines and remember to hydrate. Second, Let's talk about the idea of minimal intervention. Bear with me, this is going to cover a few different topics. Even when a producer says that they practice minimal intervention, there is always some intervention. 
just letting grapes naturally ferment in a bucket would either result in vinegar or a sour, cloudy wine that no one would ever want to drink. I don't know any winemaker who looks at a pile of grapes and says, I want to make a wine that tastes nothing like this fruit. The goal for most winemakers is to alter the fruit as little as possible and have it be a true representation of the growing season and the region. And despite the best of intentions, there will always be a need for some tweaking. The only way we wouldn't need this is if it were a perfect growing season, a perfect harvest, and a perfect fermentation. And while the finished wine may be perfect, the road it took to get there rarely is. I do have to preface this next section by saying that winemaking additives are not the Wild West. Every wine-producing country in the world has strict regulations about what is legally allowed to be used in the winemaking process, and to what extent. These clean producers give consumers the impression that any additive besides grapes is undesirable or even unhealthy. Additives in wine are not some toxic chemicals, despite what the clean wine companies may insinuate. They are all approved by the TTB, that's the Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau, and are used to provide stability in the wine matrix and make it an appealing sensory product. When a winemaker does these sorts of additions, it's to make up for something lacking in the juice and or the wine. Most commonly, winemakers will use additions of acid, yeast and yeast vitamins, powdered or liquid tannins, and fining agents. When I say fining agents, I know that sounds a bit scary, but they're quite simple. Think of these as sponges that soak up unpleasant phenolics or bitterness. And since protein is the best binding agent, the most common fining agents are usually something protein-based. This is the same reaction as adding milk to your coffee. Old school, old world producers often use milk, egg whites, and gelatin, but now it's very common to use vegan fining products, such as potato-based agents. As these additives bind to phenolic compounds, they precipitate, settle out, and are actually removed entirely from the wine before it is bottled. Mass producers of bargain wines arguably make the most adjustments since they are working with lower quality, hence cheaper fruit. But they still need to make a product that will taste good, so they always need to adjust. If you want to avoid highly processed wines, I hate to break it to you, but you're going to have to spend a little bit more. The way it works is that better fruit costs more because of the land where it's grown, the labor, and a variety of other factors. Better grapes make better wine. Translation? less need for lots of tweaking, and that wine is going to cost more. In my personal opinion, it's worth it to invest in wine. I'm not saying you need to switch to 50 or $100 bottles, but when you get down into the single digits, I tend to question how much of the wine is from the grapes and how much of it is from winemaking choices. One of the most common claims on clean wines is that there is no sugar added. But that statement on its own doesn't really explain much. The process of adding sugar prior to grape fermentation is called chaptalization, and it's actually illegal in many countries, including the United States. This is done to prevent winemakers from artificially increasing their alcohol levels. This no sugar added label 
doesn't apply to grape juice concentrates that are added to a wine post-fermentation to increase the sweetness and balance of a wine. Usually, this is done in tasteful moderation to bring about more balance in the wine, but there are some, again, larger bargain producers who oversweeten their wines to appeal to the masses. Clean wine has good intentions. They want to help the consumer better understand what they are drinking, but they aren't exactly going about it the right way. To me, it seems that clean companies aren't exactly coming clean about their wines. In many articles I read for this episode, these companies refuse to give statements regarding their product beyond a well-worded, stiff mission statement that could have easily been found on the company website. Others adamantly claimed that wineries were lying to consumers and trying to hide how the wine was made. Several of the companies I looked into boast how clean their wine is, yet don't actually tell you who made the wine or where the fruit comes from. My favorite claim made by one company was that ferrocyanide is a common additive in commercial wines. Ferrocyanide is in fact illegal and has been for many years, but if it helps them sell their wine, they're willing to claim it's still in use. Well, if wineries aren't doing anything sketchy, why don't they list the ingredients? Well, wine is a constantly changing recipe, not a replicated product. Changing the labels each year to reflect these changes would be a logistical and economic nightmare. In the coming years, wine professionals expect there to be some change in the labeling of their product to match what the consumer wants. This may mean listing out everything on the label or having a QR code that would take you to an online page with all the processing details. The term clean has been used in marketing a variety of food and beverage products in recent years. So it's no surprise that it has come around and is now being used for wine. There are no federal regulations around using the term clean for wine, but it often evokes the idea that it's somehow better for you or more natural compared to other bottles on the shelf, which isn't always true. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if the label says clean, don't trust it blindly. It's just a marketing term and not a very good one at that. If you really want a wine that is sourced responsibly and made well, you're going to have to do some research. I would say stick to smaller producers and learn to invest in your wine. If you want to take it one step further, you can also look for natural wine producers. Natural wine is a completely different beast and actually carries weight in terms of what that means for the grapes and the vinification process. They use organic or biodynamic fruit that is hand-picked at harvest, native yeast strains, minimal additives or modifications, and little to no added sulfites. If you're going for a natural wine, expect to pay a bit more. These will be from smaller producers working with smaller quantities of higher quality fruit. You can also expect a bit more complexity in these bottlings. They're not going to be simple or fruit forward, but they're going to be a really unique and true expression of the fruit. Another thing to do if you want to learn more about what you're drinking is to check out the technical sheet. A technical sheet is going to be a one-page write-up and can usually be found on a winery's website. 
it will tell you all the things about the wine that you can't find on the back label. It'll tell you where the grapes were grown, how much of a variety is in a blend, and what sort of oak and aging it's gone through. It provides more information and more explanation on how your wine is made than an ingredient list ever could. So was that a can of worms or what? Despite how heated I got while doing the research for this episode, I really enjoyed learning about a new market trend and breaking it down for you guys. It almost felt like a legal argument. You know, I did have a lot of people tell me when I was younger that I would make a great lawyer, but I think I'm gonna stick to wine. I'm Sarah, and this has been your crush course on clean wines. Until next time, cheers!